0: I have taken uh, a little adventure starting out of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10. I had originally looked at this and thought I could do it in two to three weeks. I'm reevaluating my assessment. The more that I draw back to my understanding of these 12 men, uh, the more uh, insightful it becomes when I think about the passion that I have as a pastor. Is discipleship. Uh, The Great Commission was to make disciples. Uh, I came to salvation under the Great Commission of making converts. And one of the tragedies that you see in the church today is that mentality and that fruit. There were many people who, uh, through a course of basically what I would call manipulation, were told to say a prayer... And uh, you're saved. That's weird because Jesus said we should count the cost. And I don't think people do that. People are not told that you are not your own. You have been bought and paid for with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And if you look at the church in the United States today. I heard it described by a pastor one time. It has a spiritual case of AIDS. It has no defense mechanism. It is susceptible to anything. It used to be you would get a group or different denominations who would fall off and chase into some silliness. Eventually would either explode or they would come back. But now what I watch is It's across denominational lines. Uh, If it will add people to the seats, then it must be of God. I don't know how you can honestly look at scripture and come up with that conclusion in any sense of the matter. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. It says many left him. And I believe our foundational problem is that the church bought into the conversion model. Let me get you baptized. Let me get you to say a prayer. I remember a pastor told me one time, what you do is when they get saved, make them a Sunday school teacher, because then they have to read their Bible. And I'm sitting there going, what? Okay, no wonder we got a serious case of duh. In the church. Okay. Think about it. Look at Christian publishing. We've got 66 books. Why do you have to study a book about the Bible? I'm not going to knock it. If you want to read some things. I have some things you can read. And I'd be more than happy to let you. But if you're going to teach. Discipleship. I would highly suggest you read the Bible. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your disciples, especially these men. Father, I think about what a crew. And yet, Father, you turn the world upside down. Lord, I pray for us. I pray that our ears would be open, our eyes would be open. And that, Father, you would show us amazing things. Father... The church is the single greatest power on the planet Earth. And yet I look at her and she's anemic. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk in the power of the resurrected Christ, her husband. Father, in the power of his father, he who spoke existence into being. And Father, may we bow our knee understanding we don't bring anything to the table we love you Lord and we thank you in Christ's name amen let's read the first five verses of this and then I'll pick up where I left off last week Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness now the names of the twelve apostles are these the first Simon who is called Peter and Andrew his brother And James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans. Okay, that's where we're going to start, but we're going to move around. Last week, I laid a foundation. This group combined, okay, combined a lack of understanding, a lack of humility, a lack of commitment, and a lack of power. Other than that, they're ready. Okay, now I want you to think about just that for a second. How in the world do you get 12 guys like that And accomplish anything. I don't know how you would get the trash removed from the dining room table. All right? And yet, Jesus Christ brought this group together and turned the world upside down. Listen, every disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I've heard this. And I've heard it rammed down throats. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. Please hear me. Okay? You can be saved without being a disciple. No, you can't. It's impossible. Disciple means a learner. So I'm saved and I don't know who I'm saved by, who, for, through. I don't know any of that stuff. So when you see him in heaven, you ain't going to have any idea who he is. So that makes you saved? Saved? No, it's impossible. It's impossible. Alright? So, if you are a disciple, then you must also be a discipler. There's always someone with less information than you, and there's always someone with more information than you. So, you should be taking it in and passing it on. I have heard it described before. When Christ works in a person, it's like a glass. And... Christ comes and he pours into the glass and the glass fills up and then it overflows. And that's how you reach the lost. Well, that's not true. We are like a glass that somebody knocks the bottom out of and holds it in the stream of life that is Jesus Christ. And as the stream flows stronger and stronger, eventually you never see the glass. That's the difference. That's the difference. I have been, I, most of you know, this is the only church I've ever been in in my life, uh, a part of. Uh, I've been in a couple of other churches. The one I was baptized in burned down. I don't know what that means. But uh, this is the only church I've ever been a part of in 30, 35 years, I guess. I have seen... More people who could absorb all the church has to offer, but never serve others than I care to think about. Okay. And it's ongoing. I have seen some attend years and years of training and teaching. Never feel qualified or even will share what God has done in their life. I have seen churches who have testimony classes. You go learn how to share your testimony. Well, I got news for you. If you gotta go to a class to figure out how to share your testimony, you should go back to step one salvation. Salvation. All right, And yet I see these people. They fill up our churches. They're useless. And these people cripple the church. If you read this text here and you start it out in verse 1, it says, Jesus summoned. Jesus called his disciples to himself. All right. There's two words that you will see. He says here, if you look, in verse 1 he says, He summoned His twelve what? Disciples. He summoned His twelve learners. What does it say in verse 2? Now the names of the twelve apostles. Okay, if you take the normal verb of apostolon that we get apostles from, it is a sent one. Okay, if you take the noun form of it, it means that the person sending them visually looked them in the face and said, go with this message. But in those two verses, as brief as they are, you will learn that I, he will not send you until you have learned. Okay, I have seen a lot of guys that are out there shooting from the hip. Okay, they're, they're, I believe in Jesus, this is good stuff. And you hear them and you're like. Huh, I remember reading Billy Graham and he says, if he had anything to do over again, he said he would read more and study more. And I said, Amen. Amen. We need to read more. We need to study more. We need to allow this book to master us. Then we will be sent. We will be sent. OK. See the difference. I know people right now who want to go, who don't know. So what good will it be? Hey, I remember. Uh, uh, first few pastors conference things that I went to and you sit there, you share a heart. And the message that God laid on your heart, you pull yourself out and you got sweat coming off of it and you get done and you say amen. And then the guy, you start to walk off and the guy says, now they're going to ask you some questions. What? <laughs> what do you mean they're going to ask me some questions? Tell them to get the tape. I did it one time in a church in Moscow and I was preaching and, and you guys know I hate crowds. They, they, gosh, that's awful but i was in this church this thing's got three balconies okay and i'm sitting there and this thing's packed and they're always they're behind you even and you're like oh lordy lordy i'm surrounded okay and it, this thing was packed it's a big big church in moscow and i'm preaching and i'm kind of blinking my eyes thinking i'm seeing things cuz i'm looking in the back and you see paper falling It looks like confetti. And and I'm, you know, it's rushing out of, hey, what's your culture into? I don't know. Okay. But then as I'm preaching, they they tell you to stay on your text, on your message, in the power of the spirit. And it'll be all right. But the paper's moving forward. The people on the ground floor are reaching back and pulling it up this way and passing it forward. And And that's distracting. I don't care who you are. You're like, are they getting ready to start throwing spitballs at me or what are we doing here? I got done with my message. Again, I was getting ready to walk off the stage. No, 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 no. These are questions. People were writing on these pieces of paper and the ones in the top balconies would drop them. And the people on the floor were picking them up and passing them down to the deacons in the front row. (laughs) And you're like, what? You don't want to be in that situation if you don't have no information. Okay. Now, listen, I'm smart enough to say, I don't know. You know, people ask me where sin come from. I don't know. Well, was it from in Adam, or out of Adam? I don't know. And you know what? God don't want you to know. So don't worry about it. You can't tell me it doesn't exist. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's move on. Okay? But there are people out there, and it's, it's, there, what I've learned is, is there's only about seven different questions that people ask. Now they may have a different way of wording them, but there's really only about seven questions they're going to ask. All right? Jesus had these learners And when he sent them out, they were sent ones. Why? They had a message from their king. It's not their message. It's not their opinion. It is the message from their king. All right. now I want to share that with you because all disciples will eventually be sent or they'll be cast away. Remember those who had the oil in their lamps and those who did not. Who was faithful with much? It's given much. If you're not faithful with learning, you will never be sent. Okay, you may go out and make a lot of noise. But again, I shared with you, these 12 guys were uninstructed. They were uncommitted. They were definitely not humble. And they had absolutely no power in themselves. Jesus called untrained disciples and he sent trained apostles. At the end of this book, Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and what? Make learners, make disciples of all nations, all ethos, all ethnic groups, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay. Paul's last letter before he was martyred, second Timothy chapter two, verse two, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who are able to what? Teach others. A disciple will be a discipler. Okay, now listen, you may have a Sunday school class, you may have an in-home Bible study, but I know you've got coworkers. I know you may have a spouse, you may have children, you might have a neighbor. There's always somebody you're going to teach. I mean, let's be realistic, in our lives, as we move through life, right, we are showing people things. Okay, but you know what's really cool? People are showing us things. Unless you're a know-it-all. But that would be that lack of humility thing. Okay? Because I know some of these people. There are some people that I said, I don't even converse with them. Why? There's nothing I could ever tell them. They know it all. And so I just don't even get involved. Paul told young Timothy, Listen. Listen. Some of my, uh, I in, in my life, I have, I have really, truly, truly been blessed. I mean, I think about the things that God has allowed me to to see. Um, it, it's just there's days when I ponder it, and I stand in awe of it, of of what I have as an individual been allowed um, to see. And yet, I, I, I can't even I can't even really begin to, to tell you it just it's just amazing to me when I when I think about it. But you know what? There is nothing that I have experienced in my life than the wonders of learning of Christ. To this very day, to this very day, I could sit in my office. And ignore the entire planet earth and ponder and study and learn of my Lord and Savior. He's just totally cool. I mean, I can spend hours upon hours upon hours upon hours seeking him. And in the process, you get to learn about other people, Peter, Matthew, John, and of course, Paul. But one of the things I've learned in the wonder of that is that I cannot be content being a learner. You know, I... uh, For me to, to... Prepare a message for Sunday morning. It's 30 to 40 hours of study to get that done. Okay? And there's still part of me says, you guys got cheated. I'm going to give you 40 hours of study in an hour. Are there any learners in here? And if so, are you content being a learner? Because one of the things that I have learned in my study, I, I I use this phrase, people kind of make fun of me at times. They they will ask me, they I may go out and be seen at lunch at a restaurant or something, and they'll say, well, What have you been doing? And I'll smile at them and says, Hanging out in the heavenlies. And they go, what? Yep. And then I had to come back here. (laughs) No. When you hang out there, you start burning with a fire that you must show others what you found. What you stumbled into. And you know what? We must have that fire. Every one of you. Maybe more now than any time in church history. The church is ignorant, absolutely ignorant. She has no idea who her king is. Because one of the things that I have learned, and I've gotten into trouble with this, but one of the things I've learned is there are not multiple interpretations of Scripture. There's multiple applications, but not interpretations. Interpretations. Okay? And it doesn't mean, well, you're a Baptist or a Presbyterian or you're this or that. No, you're either in the book or you're not. It's not complicated. And what I've learned is, is that people who have this wondrous learning of Jesus Christ are always unified with people who have a wondrous yearning of Jesus Christ. It's really kind of cool. And you know what I also learned? When you have the unity of the learners, that is when you have the greatest effectiveness. Especially in leadership. Especially in leadership. Listen, when the leadership and the body are unified, we'll accomplish amazing things for Christ beyond what you could ever think or imagine. But let me tell you something, just in case you were wondering disunity can accomplish just as much as unity. We just spent what, 8 years in 2 Corinthians. That was not classic unified church. It was a disaster. And yet it was lacking in no spiritual gift. It definitely had a doctrinal foundation second to nothing. The apostle Paul taught there for 18 months day and night from house to house. One of the things that I have watched that are a disaster in a church, and we must remember this, it is not our talents, it is not our abilities, it is not our place in society. That is where so much of the disunity comes from. I mean, back to our text in Matthew, have you ever thought about these guys? Have you ever spent any time looking what the gospel record speaks of these guys? Now, granted, some of them they talk about a little more than others, but there's always something about these guys. There's some other stuff, historical things that are out there. But the truth of the matter is, if you just look at this group, I mean... You have Peter, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. Okay? Have you ever had people like that? They just won't shut up. They don't really say anything. They just don't shut up. But this is the same guy that says, Though all forsake you, I shall never I tell you the truth before the cock crows, you deny me three times. I mean, he forgets the little phrase. Satan is asked to sift you. And when you've been restored, you know what that implies? Something happened that you need to be restored. You will strengthen the brethren. He didn't get it. He didn't understand it. You have two brothers called the sons of thunder. I'm not sure that that's actually a compliment. Just an idea. I mean, they're the ones, Lord, they rejected us. Can we call fire from heaven and burn up the village? Dude, that'll get people saved. You have a very analytical, these people drive me nuts. Very analytical, very pragmatic pessimist in Philip. Remember? How are we going to feed all these people? There's no way. We could even go into town and buy all the bread in town. We can't feed all these people. Okay? This is the same one who watched him stop the storm, watched Peter walk on water, watched, uh, I don't know how we're going to feed these people. We have a racially prejudiced Bartholomew. Has any good ever come out of Nazareth? You have a tax collector. And everybody loves people who work for the IRS. Correct? You have a politician, Simon the Zealot. Zealot is the term that they use for politician. He believed that Jesus was going to set up a political kingdom. And he wanted to be a part of it. You had a greedy traitor named Judas. And you're going to take that group and do what? I'm going to reach the world. My name will go forth. Though I've never traveled more than 50 miles, these men carried by my spirit will turn the world upside down. Though I have never been educated, though I never attended any of the finest universities, the only time that I ever left without uh, even the Palestinian area is when my parents took me as an infant to Egypt to keep me from being killed by King Herod. Other than that, my realm was 50 miles. But these 12... These 12 that I chose, that my father gave me, these 12. Really? I remember when I was in Russia a number of years ago, I was doing a lecture at a university. I was teaching on discipleship. They didn't know it. But I was teaching that you have teachers you have learners and then the learners become teachers and you know how the thing works of course as always when I got finished they wanted to ask me questions and they asked me questions and they want to know who I was voting for this is when George W. was running I think his second term and uh, they said uh, who are you voting for and I said uh, I'm going to check the box that says do over and they all look at me like what and they This professor, this gray-haired, really grouchy-looking woman professor looked at me. She says, you can do that in America? (laughs) When I read through the disciples, I think, Lord, maybe we should do over. What a group. How in the world... Do you get that group to get anything accomplished? And I know we're all going to put our theological hats on and go to the power of the spirit moving in the soul of men. How about uh, the group fell into a common purpose? Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but in humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interests of of others that's the power of unity we've been through it we saw what it did we looked at first corinthians and we saw the disaster that was there and then we looked at second corinthians and saw the reconciliation start happening and we know it happened because paul made his third trip there and wrote the letter to the romans Being of the same mind, you know what that is. We're all learners. We learn, we read, we wonder in awe at our Savior and our Lord, our God. I mean, we start with Peter. Would you call him impulsive? That'd be a good term, huh? How about vacillating? Huh? A little bit. And yet, Jesus says, I will call you what? Petros. What? The rock. Gosh, I hate vacillating rocks. James and John. We always look at John. We read the gospel of John. I'm the one that Christ loved. And he's such a loving dude. He ain't either. He sends his mom to see if him and his brother can get the right hand and the left hand of Christ's kingdom. He's looking out for others. His brother. But he hasn't even got enough to go up and ask himself. He sends his mother. Pragmatic pessimist of Philip. Kept seeing over and over what Jesus was cured. You know, I was reading uh, Eddersheim, and he said, for all intents and purposes, disease and death stopped in Palestine for three years. I mean, he was healing people without seeing them. Uh, how weird is that? I mean, he didn't go see Peter's mother in law. Oh, well, it should be fine. Raise her from the dead. What? A tax collector. A tax collector in the Jewish community was considered the ultimate traitor. He was basically taking up a position and was taking money from the Jewish people and giving it to the Romans. Okay? Now, the Romans were very slick at this. They said, we want this much and anything you get above that, you can keep as payment. Remember Zacchaeus? Okay? Okay? He was living high on the hog. But I look. if you go look through the culture of the time, the history of Israel at the time, they would tax you for your coat. They would tax you if you were going to cross a bridge. They would tax you if you had one loaf of bread instead of two, or two loaves of bread instead of three. They would tax you on anything and everything. That's why when he lists himself in his own gospel, he says, Matthew, the tax collector. Why? Do you know how odd it would be for me to be in the grace of Jesus Christ? The political zealot Simon. If you know anything about Masada, that's where the zealots lived. Okay, And they surrounded it, the Romans surrounded it for approximately seven years. But Herod, when he had built this sucker, up on top is solid limestone. And he dug holes in it and trenches so that any time it rained, it funneled to these cisterns inside of it. So you weren't going to run them out of water. The other thing is is that they had one wall, one whole wall, that they drilled these holes about that big around. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these holes. It looks odd. But if you get up close to it, it's even odder. Because they kept pigeons in there. And they would harvest the eggs and eat the birds and keep breeding them. So they had a complete supply for everybody living up on top of that thing indefinitely. Finally, when they uh, realized that they were building a wall, a ramp up one side, and that Romans were soon going to break the wall and kill them, the zealots killed their families and then killed themselves so that he would not die by the hands of the Romans. That's Political. That's Simon. Then, of course, Judas. What a disaster. How do you get that set of people to do anything? Well, they had a common purpose. Listen, every single one of these except for Judas was overwhelmed by the grace of the Lord. Absolutely overwhelmed. Even the pessimist. Here's the thing I want you to think about. There was a lot of arrogance in this group. Okay. But what they accomplished, none of them could ever say they did it. They didn't have a good Bible study. They didn't have a good system. They had not sat down and studied 40 days of purpose. They were overwhelmed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that is the power of spiritual unity. Right now, every single one of you. Okay, right now. are dealing with the world's greatest task there is no greater task than what we are called to it only has eternal ramifications do you understand that you're dealing with eternal destiny of souls by your actions or your inactions Unity of purpose. And the effort will come. The unity of purpose is easy. As you are going, is the Greek text, what are you to do? That's our purpose, people. People say, well, you've got all of these daughter churches in Russia. Terry, are you Slavic? No. No, nope. Well, you're doing this in India. Or, no, do I look Indian? Well, what about... No. And no, I'm not Jewish either. Okay? You must know I'm Scottish and Blackfoot Indian. Okay, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? The reason we do this is that there's a unity of purpose. I don't go teach them... How to add music to your worship service. I don't teach them how to do big screen and and music on display. And I don't know that stuff. This is what I do know. What does the Bible say? Listen, I see churches today. I see Christians today. That have discord disunity they fuel discouragement I see Christians who are pessimistic and I'm sitting there trying to figure out how do you do that how can you be a Christian how can you be a learner and be pessimistic I'm going to a place where the streets are paved with gold okay how can I be pessimistic Well, if you are not of one mind, if you are not maintaining the same love, if you are not united in the Spirit, if you are not intent on one purpose, here's the problem. Here's where your biggest discord is going to come from. Okay? Every single time. This is the one that will get you Every time. It is the one the enemy continues. It's like if they're going to run the same play over and over. Eventually, do you think we could stop it? But we don't. You know what it is? I've seen it all my life. All my Christian walk. The one purpose becomes you. And it ain't you. It ain't me. It ain't what you're doing for Jesus. It isn't what you want to do for Jesus. It isn't how many accolades you can get. It will be you. Why? Because it becomes about you. And how easy is it to slip into that? It's simple. Epsilon, Gamma, Omega. It's always translated as a personal pronoun in the Greek. You know how it's pronounced? Ego. Ego. We want our attaboys. Well, you know, I, that pastor's group I miss, mixed with, what a trip. But anyway, everybody's published. They've all got books, that, you know, we published books, we've published books. And they said, well, Terry, you've been here for 35 years. Are you published? I said, yeah, comic books, coloring books do coloring books Jesus coloring books and they're like what and I was like no I ain't published I can't get through the 66 book so when I get those done then I'll write a book about how I got through 66 of the same mind maintaining the same love united in the spirit intent on one purpose you know what you look at these 12 yahoos 11 yahoos you look at them Okay. And there's a couple of them in there. There's not much written on, but I want you to know this. They have a throne and they'll rule Israel. And one of the layers of the New Jerusalem, the foundation stones is them. So you might not read a lot about them in the book, but let me tell you something. When you start looking at the foundations of the New Jerusalem and they're named after the twelve apostles. then you'll know. Then you'll know. So, bring your seat belts next week and we will begin with these guys. And I hope that as I have been looking at this and my amazement of them, that you will be amazed by them too. Because they're no different than you and I. They deal with a lack of understanding, a lack of commitment, a lack of humility, and a lack of power. But other than that, the book of Acts says they shook the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these men. Lord, you chose them. Hmm. Evidently, you did right. Because we still are bearing their fruit. Help us, Lord. Help us to be learners, but help us be overwhelmed by what you show us, that we will also share what we have found. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.